Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. It's been two weeks since I've been here. As you know, I was traveling last week back from God knows where. I think it was in Poland or something. 
Um, and my cousin Monica took over so graciously and has always crushed it as she does. Thanks for that, Monica. I really appreciate it. For those of you who don't know, my name is Stephen Kuhn. I am the author, co-author of Unleash Your Humble Alpha. It's about owning your presence in life and becoming the epic leader that you're meant to be. We also have an advisory program for groups and one-on-ones that take entrepreneurs and business owners from the point of success and not knowing how to scale or to grow and to getting them to that point where they actually have an exit plan and have a nice capital event so they can do the things the passion projects that they always wanted. That's what I do. That's how I roll. That's what I love. And it's easy for me because that's what I've always done. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about what I've always done today. You know, TM's talking about teams and leadership and make the thing the thing and keep the thing the thing and, uh, you know, timelines and all that stuff. Exactly what, what's going into what I'm talking about. I'm talking about teamwork as well. So it was Thursday, March 7th, 1991. Some of you know the story. I had just um, finished the Battle of 73 Easting uh, in Iraq, uh, which is the largest tank battle since the Second World War, and we were in a non—we were in a in a no-fire zone. We had done the ceasefire, and um, I saw this little girl walking towards me in the desert with her arms out. As she got closer, um, um, with her pink summer dress, um, I saw that in the middle of the desert, I saw that she was burnt from the neck down, and I took her to the medic track which means the medic's tent, and uh, she had been bandaged up. She, her, her, her clothes were burnt into her body, and the pink dress was covering her up. When she came back out, um, I, 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 I felt like I needed to do something. You know, there I was, this big, brawly, six-foot-four, um, you know, weapon-wielding, helmet-wearing, flak jacket-wearing, boot-camouflage-wearing boot man, and this little eight-year-old girl. And I got down on my knee. And I, I uh, pulled out a butterscotch candy from my pocket, my, my uh, grenade pockets, and I gave it to her. And this little girl smiled. Um, and she smiled for a piece of candy, even though she was burnt from head to toe. At that point, that changed my life forever. I had to fully allow myself to accept the reality in front of me, of which I, was, I had absolutely no control. And I couldn't help her the way I wanted to. It was really difficult for me. But here's the thing. I had to be willing to truly meet her to truly see her in that moment. And it was heartbreaking in a way, actually, that I still dream about it. But because I fa somehow found the courage to do all that, I was able to hand her that candy and create love and connection in a moment when it should have been impossible. I've never, I've never been able to forget her, and uh, I'd be willing to bet she never has either. I actually dream about her quite often. and I, I, I wish I could meet her. I, I actually spoke yesterday to the ambassador to Iraq from Hungary, who's now a friend, uh, and told her, told him about the story. So he's going to see what he can do. I, I'll never stop looking. This was 1991. So, if she survived, if she somehow made it out and lived, it wasn't a candy that I gave her. It was the doorway out of her trauma. It was the door through which she could reclaim her faith in humanity, despite everything that happened that day. And honestly, that's what the moment was for me. So I want to help you create a door for yourselves and for your teams. To rewrite, to rewrite what is possible in the face of impossible circumstances. Whether it's a recession, a pandemic, a climate change issues, or even AI replacing humans. When bad things happen, when change happens, most people go on the defensive, they react, they attack, or they, attack or they withdraw. And what I want to invite you to do is to develop a process to face and embrace the things that trigger you so you can build your own escape hatch no matter how bad things get. And in building that escape hatch, you'll be rewriting the rules of your own life. 
How does that sound? You know, they say irony is good for the blood. Um, the moment in, that moment in Iraq forced me to go from a guy who carried a gun and was trained to kill people to someone whose ultimate mission is to re-script re what's possible for humanity. And that's what I've done. I didn't know at the time, but that's what I've been doing. My, my, my time in the military had a profound impact on how I see myself, think about the world, and how hard I push to get results. But there are always challenges. And this is the same situation you're faced with today, whatever that challenge is. And the same talents that got you here won't get you further. They just won't. So the more dire and impossible a situation is, the bigger the potential for dramatic positive change. It's as simple as that. If you can look at problems and challenges like that, you're on a whole other realm, a whole other plane of reality. So let's talk about the exact mechanism that you use to do this. And this is something some of you will know if you've read the book, Unleash Your Humble Alpha. And if you haven't, go ahead and grab it on Amazon or Audible. Um, and we call it creating space. Creating space is showing up wholly and fully for the person in front of you with no preconceived notions or cookie cutter solutions, focusing on the only thing that you can control, and that is the intention. You can't control the outcome, so don't worry about it. The problem with, with talking about this in a room like this is that it's pretty much the opposite of what got you to where you are right now. You know, we're used to like setting targets, going on targets, going through walls. You know, even if you can't climb over it, you go through it. You just push, 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 hustle, grind, you know, nose to the grindstone, all these kind of things. So what you're going to want, want me to do is say, Stephen, this doesn't work for me. This is what's this woo-woo stuff, right? But here's the deal. You can't control your way past an apocalypse. Whatever that means to you. Control may have gotten you here, but it won't get you any further. Anyone heard of that guy called Steve Jobs? I'm sure you have. He's passed now, but most people know who he is. He was the, the founder and then later CEO of Apple. Well, the shift from control, what I'm talking about, is the exact pivot that he was forced to make that took Apple from a dinky little company to the iconic brand that it has become today. And, and Steve Jobs started like a lot of us, scrappy, innovative, driven, you know, making shit fly when the, with, with the power of his mind and just pushing through hard as you could. But then he hit a wall. The industry shifted. The old way stopped working and his CEO fired him. He got fired. I can't imagine what it must be like to get fired from your own dream. But that's what is coming to anyone who ignores the writing on the wall. Steve Jobs had to create the space for himself first. He had to allow himself to stop being the Steve Jobs he knew to create room for him to grow into the Steve Jobs he needed to become. And it's not a doing thing, it's a becoming thing. You know, me, I was fundamentally, fundamentally changed in the war in Iraq. In that moment where it hit me that everything has changed forever, when I gave that little girl a candy and she smiled. I went from trying to control the uncontrollable to understanding that if I could face my deepest fears, if I could find a way to embrace them, then there was a whole other reality right under my nose. You know, Steve Jobs became the leader we know him to be today. He had to make a choice to stop telling his team what to do, stop trying to control them. He had to trust himself and the universe enough to stop screening for skill and hiring for skill, much more predictable and controllable, and rather start hiring for character. Instead of telling his team what to invent, he now spent his energy fleshing out a vision and recruiting his team's knowledge, excitement, energy, and momentum to create those things. Without a map or a plan, while everyone told him 
He was crazy and it was flat out impossible. So let me, well, let me ask you this, where do you go when someone tells you something's impossible? Where does your mind go? Where does your body go? Where does your energy go? I know where mine goes. Mine goes, oh, it's impossible? Well, now that you said that, let me prove to you that it isn't. And that's how I, I've lived my life. And I think that most of us in this room, judging from the people that I know are the same way. Do you possibly get mad? Do you play with a chip on your shoulder then? Do you walk around, you know, because how can you say that to me? Because I've worked with way too many people who play this way and they come to me then after they've shot the goose that lays the golden egg, or, you know, they got fired because they were reactive and they didn't trust in their ability to deploy their genius in any given situation. Certainty, my friends, certainty. And the biggest thing is they bought the bullshit story in front of them without knowing how to recognize the opportunity that it really was. So in every adversity, there's in, in all adversity, there's opportunity. And I know that's, that's, a, that's a buzz sort of statement that everyone says. But if you step back and look at all the times in your life where you had issues, troubles, barriers, boundaries, um, you know, blockages or whatever, and you look what happened after, it was always a rise. It was always a rise. And I think we can all agree. So if we know that, why do we look at problems and challenges so difficult? Why do we see them as something that are, is in our way? How is it that we're always stopping? And we're always going, oh, what about this? And I can't do that. What about, why? If we know that that's a challenge, it's going to let us grow. And we realize that it's an opportunity. It's, it's incredible when we think this way. You know, leaders sometimes don't know how to create space to invite in the reality they want because they got sucked into the drama of the moment. How many of you get sucked into the drama of the moment? And by the way, you don't need to be Steve Jobs to make this work. How many of you here can recognize that either yourself or someone on your team is the bottleneck in your company? Uh, if you have a bottleneck and many companies have several, you're obviously stunting growth. Picture it this way. You have a goldfish in a bowl. This is as big as a goldfish is ever going to get. It's not going to grow in that bowl. It'll be about an inch long. But you take that exact same fish and you toss them in a river with space to swim, a reason to live, and that fish will grow to at least four times or five times its size, that same fish, but it will never grow in that bowl. That's what creating space does. Your team is no different. You are no different. Do you have, adequately, do you have an adequate reason to live? Do they, your team, have a reason to live? That is a leader's job. And it doesn't always have to be about money either. It's about potential, about potential. By creating the space for them to tap into their own potential and giving them something worthwhile to look to work towards, you create potential for your company where previously there may have just been an obstacle or a block in your way. So how do you create the space for your team? Well, you got to experience it for yourself first. And I know this firsthand, not just from working with my clients to generate well over hundred million in growth, but firsthand, let me tell you. So in October 2014, I walked into an impossible meeting. If I had gone there as your typical A over type A overachiever, I've killed the deal before I even had the chance. So here's the setup. Here we go. I managed to get a meeting with Andrea Bocelli. You know this guy, he's our generation's Pavarotti. He's a famous opera singer, and just like Pavarotti, his job began and ended with singing. His business manager was his wife, and she was a real tiger, a very alpha, very, very in charge. Nobody messed with Veronica. So the last thing that would have worked was, was for me to try to out-alpha her. Somebody would have gotten hurt probably in that whole mess. 
and she's tiny too and i'm six foot four so she could she could be triggered just at the sight of me so what happened next is exactly what's going to help you stand out in a world where ai is disrupting the, the workplace and changing demographics are skewing what used to work and here's the thing i went into that meeting not knowing what the deal was i didn't have a powerpoint i didn't have a spreadsheet i didn't have detailed projections Oh, and I didn't have any industry experience either. So it's not like I was known, I was like a known person in that world. What I did have was full mastery of myself, full certainty in my ability to deploy my genius in any given situation. And when you have that, you can be available to what's actually in front of you without needing to change it or make it something that it's not. Forcing an outcome, focusing on an outcome before you even know what, what, the, what the intention is supposed to be. And that's what we call creating space. So what did I do? I sat there with Veronica and I asked questions. Well, first of all, I showed up for the meeting with uh, Andrea and Andrea Bocelli and he wasn't there. And anyone else might've said, oh my gosh, man, he didn't show up. I didn't. I'm like, who is here, right? So what's the positive? And it was Veronica and her assistant. And so I asked questions and I listened, not just for what they were telling me, but for what they hadn't yet realized was actually potential for their business. See, we're talking about potential again. And then I painted a picture. They saw what I wanted them to see and they wanted it too. And that's when they asked my price. Well, obviously you can't ask for 20% of a $50 million deal. So I told them I produce results and no one else can. So I get a retainer to open impossible doors. And honest to God, Veronica laughed in my face, like literally laughed in my face. And she said, no one in the music industry gets a retainer, period. And I said, here's the thing um, to myself. I said, here's the thing. If I didn't know how to create space, I might have heard that and buckled and froze and said, oh, my God, what am I going to do now? I might have bought the story in front of me instead of creating the reality that we all wanted anyway. I would have bought into her perceived limitations and cheated us all out of the growth that my services would have created for us all. I would have done that. I would have done that if I had believed the bullshit in front of me. So I said to her, real simple. Look, Veronica, no one in your industry can do what I do. This is how I work. This is how I work. It's up to you whether you want to proceed or not. Real simple. And you see what I did there, right? I have no attachment to an outcome. I didn't want to sell them anything. I didn't want to get hired. I was there to provide the opportunity, right? The opportunity and the growth possibilities and potential for them to do something different, to big, get bigger, to grow better, right? Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you find yourself convincing people, whether it's partners or clients or your teams, it's because at some level you've bought into the BS they're feeding you and themselves. Let me say that again. If you find yourself convincing people, whether it's partners, clients, or your teams, it's because at some level you've bought into the BS they're feeding you and themselves. Don't buy into it. You dictate your own reality. You decide what, 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 what you believe in. You decide how you're going to move forward. And also, if you have to motivate your team, you might, you might want to look at your leadership skills. Well, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, I know that sounds strange, but motivation is something from the outside and it doesn't last. Inspiration is something from the inside. You want them to be lit by a fire within. You want to give them a reason to live, a reason to grow. That's what creating space is. You create space for them to do all those things. It is the single most important skill a leader in today's rapidly changing world must possess. If you know how to do this one thing, create space, you will, you will be able to do just about anything. Learn one thing, you can do anything. Is that a promise? Yes, it's a promise. You can do it, I promise you. Why? 
how is that even possible, Stephen? I'm, I'm sure some of you are asking, and man, it's sensational and okay, great, but come on, let's break it down to reality now. Well, when you, you will always magnetize the people for whom you're solving problems for, and you will be able to connect them to the energy they need to get the job done, the energy from within, if you allow them to tap into that energy. You have to allow employees to tap into the energy because they feel like, as most employees, their, their borders are there. They can't do this and they can't do that. It's not my, that's not my job, it's not my position. Right? You want to give them that reason to live and a reason to grow. And remember, you don't need to do everything yourself or figure out all the answers ahead of time. Nobody has the luxury of that way of being in today's fast-paced world. Nobody. I don't care who it is. You can't solve the problems that are looming ahead with a PowerPoint or a carefully crafted plan. You're disrupted right now. We all are. We're all disrupted right now. It just keeps changing every day. The economy, the gas prices, uh, COVID, yes, no, maybe, mask, yes, no, maybe, right? Uh, the prices of everything is explained. I just paid 160 freaking euros yesterday to fill up my car. That's all, that's all, that's what's that, about $185. To fill up my car, $185. Because in Hungary, anyone with a foreign license plate, and I have German license plates, has to pay double gas prices, while all of the citizens don't. Uh, they, they have a fixed price, which is great. Um, it's a lot of money for me, but I said to myself, you know what? I live here. I'm enjoying the country. I don't mind paying it. Let's, if, if, if I'm helping other people be able to afford it, then hey, why not? It's still, it's still a big chunk. I've never paid that much for gas before. My goodness. Look, the ones who will emerge as the century's leaders, the ones who will forever change the trajectory of their industry, are the ones who learn to tap into the collective by creating space for growth in your teams and with yourself. I want to give you something to think about before I finish up here and we start taking questions and comments. What is the biggest disruption you think your company or your industry is facing today? And how are you going to tackle it? How are you going to tackle that? What are you going to do? You're going to create space, but what does that mean for you? Creating space and then what? Right? Who are you going to create space with? What if you're just alone and you don't have a team? How do you, how do you deal with that? Well, take, a, take some time to think about it. Read the book, Unleash Your Humble Alpha. And then write me on Instagram. If, you, if you're not following me on Instagram, please follow me on Instagram. I do a daily purge, um, which is a video that I do almost every day. I've been slacking the last days because I've been in six countries in one month. Um, if, you just, um, if you just follow me on Instagram and write me, what the biggest... What the biggest um, challenges in your industry, the biggest disruption is, and how you're going to tackle it. I would love to uh, hear your feedback on that. It's a, it's a, it's, this is, I know people come into Clubhouse and there's a lot of, you know, speeches and a lot of amazing um, speakers and a lot of amazing information and you're overwhelmed sometimes. Like, how do I, you know, know what to do? I'm just saying do one thing and it doesn't matter what else you do. This will always enhance everything that you do in your life, public or private personal relationships, business relationships, and that's simply creating space, showing up wholly and fully for the person in front of you with no cookie cutter solutions, but preconceived notions, focusing on the only thing that you can control, and that is what? The intention, not the outcome. You can't control it anyway, so forget about it. And when you do that, you're creating space around the two of you. That creates a mastermind, and the two become a third, and you start coming up with ideas and solutions that you never would have come up with on your own. Another way to do that, in your teams, or even with your kids, which I do, 
um, sometimes. And uh, that is a thing I call the three questions, right? Or the three solutions. So when someone comes to me or my kids come to me, hey, daddy, we got this problem. Or, hey, daddy, what about this? Or, hey, boss, or, hey, Stephen, we got this problem, this, that, and the other. I will say, in most cases, present me three different solutions that you would stand behind. What they're like, what do you mean? First time, like, what do you mean three solutions? Well, think of it in business as a client, um, uh, um, supplier, and an employee. There's three different ways to look at it. As my kids, I'm thinking like, well, think of how I would see it, how mommy would see it, and how, how you see it. And present me with the solution that you think is the best. And I create a space for them to tap into their own you know, world and see, well, what would I do? Like, where's that? What's that? What, what can I, this is my chance to show Steven that I, you know, to show daddy or Steven that I'm really good at what I do. I mean, think about that. You're giving them a chance to showcase their abilities. And so what happens is they come back and they have, um, they, hey, I have, see Steven, I have three solutions. And my kids have, hey, daddy, I got three ideas. And I'll listen to them. And I'll be like, okay, which one do you stand behind? And uh, if they, when, when they choose one, I go, well, if you're willing to do it, then go do it. And that's even if I know one of the other ones might be better in my opinion, but it doesn't matter about my opinion. I'm not there to have my opinion. Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. Rule the world. I'm there to ensure that they are empowered, inspired, and grow, and that they grow the company, they grow the revenue. I'm just sort of leading. I'm the, I'm the pinball machine. I'm, I'm the bumpers on the pinball machine. The ball moves by itself. I just keep them within the boundaries. That's, that's what a leader is. A leader isn't someone to stand and just, follow me, men, into battle. That's military. You don't need that in the civilian world. It sounds cool, and it's cool to, 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 to be like that, and it feels very powerful, but that's not, that's not the truth in a leader. The truth in a leader is you empower those around you, everyone around you. And if you're really good, you make yourself obsolete. And that's how you get yourself from working in the business to working on the business. And that's sort of where I am. Right. I don't I don't buy jobs. I don't get into jobs. I do contracts and I do advisory and that's it. Right. As you as some of you know, I'm currently acquiring a company in Switzerland uh, for no money down. Nine point five million francs. It's a big deal. It's a huge company. Um, and uh, that's something that I just decided that I was going to do. And I could have never done that if I was working in my business. Right. So a leader will remove themselves through the natural growth of those underneath them. It's like, it's like the seeds that come out of the soil. The soil gets pushed aside and the flower shoots up to the soil. Well, you're the soil, my friends. Water it. Water that seed. Let them grow. Let them slowly and gently push you out of the way as they pass you by. I know some of you are saying, wait a second, pass me by? You know, I'm a leader. No one's going to pass me by. Well, that's your ego talking. There is no competition. If you compete, you'll always lose, even if you think you win. It's called co-creation. Co co we create the world around us together. And if you want to be successful, you want to be abundant, you want to have a life where you're happy every day and you think that the, the, there's, the sky's the limit and even past that, well, then you're going you're gonna to be in this way. You're going to act in this way. You're going to create space. You're going to care about those around you and actually not 
think about your benefit and everything, but know that you're the highest benefit that you can have, the highest accolade that you can have is when you're the silent, humble alpha and everyone around you is thriving. You don't have to say what you're, who you are, what you do. People see it, they feel it. That's the certainty that you carry with yourself when you, when you, when you're in this mode. Look, this is no joke what I'm talking to you about right here. And it's not just something I make up. This is how I live. It's in the book. It's in the book for a reason. Harvard and Stanford thought it was so important that they're making it into a college, college degree course, the humble alpha. So we must be doing something right. And this is something that's all tangible and applied knowledge. None of it is some theory that I made up from some book that I read. This is all how I lived the last, you know, I'm 55. So however long I've been living like this, right? And I'm, I, I only come into Clubhouse very seldom now, especially on, on my days, on Tuesdays here. But I hardly come anymore because I'm just, you know, I, 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 I want to add, I want to add the, the, the value and the quality that I know I can bring. And that's why I'm changing into the business mindset for you all because I've been listening and hear a lot, you know, in the past year and a half. I've been here since the very first day with Glenn, and even before that. And I see that the, the the sessions that get the most are those that are business oriented. So that's why I switched from uh, more of the esoteric and holistic to the business. Uh, it's important for me that you all have a walk away tangible action that you can do after every single session. And it's also important that you have a chance to have dialogue with me and with each other about what we just discussed. You know, it's this is uh, I only come in here for that. I'd come in here to su support Glenn and, you know, work with, as we always do with Dora Marie, Renee, Monica, Christine, Core Element, all Coco, everybody, you know, um, it's just, it's something that, uh, it, it means the world to me and I wouldn't give it up for nothing unless I get booted, which could absolutely happen. <laughs> Dora Marie, they've already cut me from an hour to 30 minutes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, um, I think, uh, I think I've, I've said enough about that. Basically, um, the one statement I want to leave you with, and if this is important to you at all, it will hit you. The ones who will emerge as this century's leaders, the ones who will forever change the trajectory of their industries and their businesses are the ones who learn to tap into the collective by creating space for that growth that everyone seeks. Everyone seeks. Okay. Sound like, sound like something we can all agree upon that this is something we can do, make the world a better place, make our world a better place first so that the rest of the world can follow through with that radiant value that we're creating. All right. Well, as always, we have 30 minutes to take comments and to, to, to listen to your feedback and have any questions. You know what? If you have an issue, business issue, let's put it on stage and let's solve it for you right here, right now. That's sort of what I do. All right. So anybody have any, any comments? TM, I saw you unmuted there. You would like to add some valuable comments? TM, I guess not. All right. So anyone else out there want to add some comments or any questions? Uh, I do. Yes, please. Is this Steven? Yes. Who's this? Uh, this is Donnie. Donnie. Okay. I haven't been on for a long time. And like, you just spoke right into where I'm at. And like, wow, blow my mind. Wow, awesome, Donnie. <laughs> I, I mean, I haven't tuned in for so long, 
and I was, I, I'm working right now. So I'm like, you know, I, I'm a bit of a night owl. It's like, I'm out West. So it's like 4am right now. Mm. And, and I work before I go to work every day. Right. Because of what you're saying. And, you know, I have my kids that I'm trying to lead, right. And lead by example. And you just spoke right into my day. So thank you so much. I, I added you and followed you on everything. Cause I want to hear more. Great oh, job. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. What, what great feedback. I love that when you have such impact. See, that's what I'm talking about. That's all, that's all I need right there. I, you just made my day, Donnie. Thanks so much. Oh, you, you made mine within like two minutes of listening to you. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm sitting here going, wow, I know I haven't been on for a while, but I know why I needed to tune in right now. And I'd gotten away from it because I felt it was distracting me, but not today. Thank you. Wow. Awesome, Don. Thank you so much. All right. Anyone, anyone want to add anything else? Jan, it's been a long time since we spoke. Are you there? I am here and um, I'm gutted that I only caught in the last 10 minutes uh, of your segment. If your segment ever got cut to 30 minutes, it's going to be a great loss <laughs> for my love <laughs> and the audience. And um, I'm just, um, you know, saying hi and, uh, you know, really, really missed your voice. So I think, you know, you are, you know, part of my Tuesday routines <laughs> and I'm glad to, uh, you know, be on stage with you again and uh, looking forward to the questions that people might have you know I think um, this session is really valuable because um, you know uh, like every time people throw at you different uh, you know perspectives and uh, different questions and you're always able to bring a really fresh perspective and uh, fresh kind of solution so um, you know I'm looking forward to the next half an hour I'll be here thank you all right Jan thank you so much by the way everyone if you don't know if I haven't said it enough Jan has my favorite voice on Clubhouse she has such an articulation. I love it. Anyway, so Monica, you unmuted too. What would you like? You got eagle eyes, sir. I did indeed unmute. <laughs> this is Monica in the turquoise ring. And as you were talking today, I was thinking about the power that is in the holding space, the creating space. Yeah. Because sometimes with those of us who are coaches or advisors or consultants, we sometimes feel that we need to have some answers but what is really miraculous when you come into a relationship with a client let's just say specifically since we're talking about business with that pressure to create an answer you limit what's possible but when we come in as you talk about always with this idea that neither your mind nor my mind alone can come up with what the two of us together can come up with the third mind the mastermind and then when you have that attitude to begin with, you you do open up that opportunity. And then when you look at other industries and other professions and other ways and ancient wisdom and modern wisdom and all of the things available to you, it's like you you put together something new that's never that's never existed before, perhaps in, in a way of solving a problem or meeting a challenge. And it's so much there's so much more there available to you when you pull the ego part of I need to have an answer out of it. So I really, really appreciate you um, amplifying that message today. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, Monica. Is there one, if, if you don't know, Monica is my cousin. Um, and uh, we've, we've rekindled our relationship here on Clubhouse for about a year and a half now, which is awesome. Because as some of you may not know, I live in Austria, or sorry, in, in Hungary, <laughs> not Austria. I live in Hungary. And uh, I don't get home much. Back to the States. Been here in Europe for a good, I don't know, I guess 32 years now, including my military time. 
So yeah, it's uh, it's something that uh, is great when you can hook up on audio, audio, and 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 meet your cousin every day, every every Tuesday. So um, we actually met in person in Kentucky at the Grow for God, Grow Your Business for God's Sake, and then we met somewhere else. I can't remember where, but we met somewhere else too. Stephen, don't forget though too. Over the over the years, you've been home, and we've been at weddings. I was at Scott's wedding, and I was. You know, we we have seen each other. It's not like we've been completely disconnected, but no. your being across the ocean has definitely made it harder. And I have to share with you too. Um, our aunt recently died, as as I I mentioned, and I have been getting amazing time in Dennis. Which again, these things, mm-hmm. these these bad things that happen sometimes in our lives, and these tragedies and losses, very often the other the other side of it is a is a beautiful gift, and, and that's been one of these gifts that I've been able to get from it. And so it is important how we look at things that we perceive to be bad in the moment. Um, it, it, what else is it offering? And and yeah. so that's a nice reflection as well. Thank you. Awesome, love it. I love it. So anyone else want to add anything? I brought my friend and a Marine of 35 years, William, up to the stage here. If you'd like to add anything, I know you always have some wisdom. Are you there? William? William Fitzgerald? Are you present and accounted for? Okay, then not. Okay, we'll get back to you. Who else would like to add something? Ask a question. And Lee. Hey, I'm just having a problem with trying to unmute, but uh, all good stuff as always, Stephen. I'm... Uh... Little behind my schedule this morning but uh, nonetheless love hearing uh, everything you're saying and especially the program we're on so uh looking forward to the uh the rest of the week and uh, getting things uh engaged here thanks much appreciate it roger that william yeah william's in in our um the humble effort paradigm upgrade advisory program uh he's one of our our eight members in the, in the current cohort um anna lee anna lie sorry i might be saying your name right leadership yeah there we go <laughs> 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 yeah, I just want to thank you. It's it, for for your segment today. It's been very reaffirming, and I know that I've got some personal work also to do in just being a lot more self assured in that I'm doing what I need to be doing. But I loved, I loved, I loved it because, you know, my father. Sorry, it's very windy out here. Um, my father taught us to be entrepreneurs, but. Other than that, he taught us the worst mindset around money and time in that he made us feel guilty when we weren't busy. You know, you had to stay busy. And for that reason, from a very early age, I learned how to be busy, but not productive necessarily. And um, the other thing is he always stayed very firmly in control of everything. So when when I was running my own business, I would feel guilty when I delegated because it was like, no, it's it's my duty. It's, you know, I have to be in charge. I have to, you know, my, my employees will think I'm lazy if I'm not working in my business all the time. And uh, it was only when I came onto Clubhouse that I started learning better ways of doing things. And I always considered myself to be an entrepreneur and here on Clubhouse, I've learned that for many years I was just self-employed, you know. So it's it's been quite an education and people like you that have taught me, even at my old age, how to properly run a business. So I always say I'm here on Clubhouse getting a belated MBA from people who've been there, done that, and have been successful. So thank you so very much. The will to learn. It's so invigorating, isn't it? Uh, when you get to grow like this every day, it's just incredible. It really is. It's like it's what drives me. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for the comment. Anyone else out there want to add some comments? We have, we still got a lot of time left. So if you guys want to join in, uh, TM, got anything to add or who's Mary, Mary Kim, are you flashing? Were you cheering? I guess not. All right. Anyone else like to add anything? I guess I should have went longer today. Donnie. <laughs> hey, I can easily add on that. Um, you know what, what she was just saying about, um, being an entrepreneur or being self-employed. Um, you know, I used to feel lazy um, being the entrepreneur <laughs> because I, I, I felt like I was just delegating. And sometimes people would look at it and go, well, what are you going to do? And I'd say, I'm done. I'm done. I, that's what I do. And, and <laughs> there, were, there was almost a level of embarrassment with that until I started hearing other people confirm it for me. Yeah, I hear that. That's... Uh, interesting. And, and, and I was running my business after work. So that's why I didn't want to do anything either. I didn't know I was doing what you're saying at the time. I was just delegating because I was tired. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so hearing everybody talk about it, like, hey, this is what you're supposed to do. I'm like, oh, I feel better now. Thanks. Cool. Well, yeah, it's, um, it, you know, empowering. You know, we always talk about uh, in, in the humble app, we talk about um, delegating the task, but never the responsibility. And that's the fine line because you're still responsible for it. I'm sure you, it's happened before when you say you've, de you've delegated to someone and you ask them, okay, anyone, anyone, um, you know, what happened? What's the follow-up with this? And like, oh, I delegated it to so-and-so. You're like, uh, and you still need to know it's your responsibility, right? You delegate the task, not responsibility. So that's a fine line. And when you delegate, you always have to be on top of the stuff. And I'm sure you were done. Yeah. But you know, as an operations manager in my job, I never felt that way because that's what I did all day. Mm -hmm. But you know, you go home and do it in your business where nobody potentially is paying you in a way. Cause it feels sometimes like you're working for free and you're just working to pay people. Right. And you're, and you're stressing about making all your bills. At least I did. I always made sure I had the money there for my employees first and then paid myself after because I never wanted to be behind or owe. And, you know, it, it's a funny thing to grow through this industry because I've been an entrepreneur for 20 years now and I didn't know what I was doing. I was just doing what I thought was right. Um, getting on a space like this for Clubhouse, I've found you know what you were saying earlier about getting off of clubhouse has been good for me because it helped me process all the stuff that i learned and put into practice not just keep listening to the same stuff over so you know all these little takeaways they they also take time to implement and you know talking about being productive uh, it's such good good points to hear and good reminders to go over awesome brother Thanks so much, man. Really appreciate it. Hey, you know, good stuff. It's good to hear you. You know what? I, I, What's that? I think your military voice just spoke into my day today. We were watching Top Gun last night, and man, mm. you're you're just so on point for that that military voice. <laughs> I just associate with that from my family. Everybody gets to the point quickly and says what they mean and mean what they say. So thank you so much. I love it, Top Gun. You know that was my favorite movie. I was in the military in 1987. When, it, when Top Gun came out, the first one. Um, and it, it, it changed a generation uh, of, of uh, military people. 
Um, I, it was something that, that I remember watching the scene with the volleyball with Slider. Actually, my nickname was Slider because um, at the time, I, yeah, I sort of looked like him at the time. Um, you know, the same face and hair and everything. Uh, and uh, we were out there playing volleyball. I just felt like, yeah, like it's Tom Cruise and Slider. You know, it was like oh, Iceman and all this stuff. It was, great. <laughs> it was a great time. I tell you, yeah. So, and now, have you seen the new movie? No, I haven't because I just I, I I watched it with my girlfriend. I watched the old movie because she had never seen it. Believe it or not. Um, and uh, now we're going to go next weekend to to see the see fire, Stephen. That, that's fire. Our, uh... Well, I saw the I saw the um, uh, the making of and they actually the actors actually went through flight training. They started on um, a simulator, then a Cessna or something. And then they went to the single engine jets and then they went to the I mean, it was just they just went all the way up. They didn't fly the jet. They were in the jet and they learned how to, um, you know, sort of uh, go with the G's. And they actually did all of those things themselves in the cockpit. Uh, Each cockpit had four cameras right in front of them. So they had to actually work the cameras and act and not act at the same time. So it's probably the most complicated movie ever made. And and those actors went through three months of training, which usually takes almost two years uh, for a pilot to go through. So, I mean, wow, like talk about just an achievement just for those actors without even talking about how they acted. Crazy. So, so what was your role in the military, Stephen? Oh, I was on tanks. Um, I uh, went in in 1986, went to Fort Knox, Kentucky. And then I ended up um, going, getting shipped off to Germany to a place called Gelnhausen. And uh, one year mark in the army, I had just won a competition, what was called the Canadian Army Trophy, which is a NATO competition held every two years since 1961. And the American teams never won. And um, to this day, I'm still one of the only 16 guys ever to win that win that trophy. Uh, so that was my one year mark in the army. And then it just went up, up from there. Um, ended up working for, you know, a Colonel and a Sergeant Major, a command Sergeant Major, um, went to Iraq, um, went through that whole mess, uh, came back, went to Berlin brigade, which at the time was very esteemed. Um, and in Berlin, Germany, where it was a surrounded city, Berlin was surrounded by East Germany. Most people don't know that Berlin was an Island in the middle of East Germany. So it was completely surrounded by a wall. And you had all four forces in there. You had the Russians, the French, the Germans, or sorry, the, the British and the Americans all splitting up Berlin into four different sectors. Um, and we controlled those sectors. So we were an occupying force back until I think they, they relieved the occupying force in 1993 or 1994. Um, so when you're stationed in Berlin, you basically are the occupying force. So you didn't have to stop at red lights if you didn't want to. You, you could speed if you wanted to. We didn't. But if there was an alert or something, then we would just drive through red lights, stop and go drive through, and police couldn't stop you or nothing. We occupied that force. So that was, uh, that was, a, that was a really interesting time for a young buck like me. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I got out. I got a European out and stayed in Europe, meaning I out-processed here in Europe. That's yeah. awesome. I, I'm a Canadian, so I like hearing that, that you won a Canadian trophy. So uh, that's just mm. another great connection. Look at that. <laughs> that's funny look look it up canadian army trophy you'll see my mug canadian army trophy winners um in 1987 you'll see it awesome and that's and you know what our theme song was it was the, it was the opening scene to uh to top gun that was our theme song when we were going down range with the tanks they were playing over the over the loudspeaker really loud you know that 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 da, 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 choo, 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 and then the jet engine <laughs> starting you know the jet engine starting on the on the on the aircraft carrier because M1 tanks, which I was on, they have a turbine engine, which is a jet engine. So they sound exactly like a jet when they start. Man, you make so, me want to go enlist in the army, but you know, at 48, <laughs> I don't think they're going to take me. 
not now they won't. Maybe, maybe, maybe at the heat of the war they would have, but I'm not sure if you want to do that. But yeah, I, you know, I got to say, I miss it. I, I miss the camaraderie. I miss the brotherhood, the sisterhood. I miss the common core, the goals. Um, you know, one mission, one vision, kind of thing. And that's sort of that plays over into the business world. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm very adamant about it. Um, if you look, if you, you know, look on the stage here, William, who just spoke before, he did 35 years in, in the Marine Corps. That, that doesn't leave you without massive benefits and effect. Also, you know, negative things, but we don't look at those. And so, and when you can Im implement just some of what we learned into the civilian world, as far as structure goes, not as the discipline goes, because discipline is short-lived, um, uh, but inspiration from the inside, giving people a reason to live and to, to, to ignite the fire from within, you know, that's, that's sort of what they did to all of us. If you got to realize when you joined the military, I was a kid, I had long hair. Um, it was the eighties. So I had like this, you know, like feathered back, you know, mullet kind of thing. And, uh, when I joined, I was just a cocky, you know, kid and they broke me down to nothing where I was just laying on the grass crying. And then they picked me up and they built me back into the man that I am, uh, that, that I was about to become. And so the military does do a lot for you that people don't mention, you know, that they don't talk about. They think, oh yeah, you go to war and else. Kind of, no, um, they actually taught me how to take, um, take charge of myself. And the one, the one time I went, um, in the obstacle course in the very beginning, and I couldn't, I couldn't get over the wall, uh, no matter what I did, I couldn't get over that wall. And the drill sergeant threw me down on the ground and put his foot in the back of my neck and was calling me every name in the book, insulting me like you wouldn't believe. And my mother, <laughs> as they do, and insulted my mother. And I got so mad, I just jumped up and I literally hopped over the wall with one hand. And I landed on the other side and I was like, holy shit, that was me the whole time. I limited myself the whole time because I didn't believe in what I could do and what, I, what, I would, what was possible. And from that point on, I refused to let anything stop me. I refused to let anything stand in my way. And so wow. these moments in the, these moments in the military form us and make it to the point where we, we, we walk up to a challenge, the bigger, the challenge, the more chaos there is, the calmer we get. Right. Well, and, and, and you know what else that I hear from what I, I've heard you say today, which is interesting is, you know, everybody wants to be a leader, uh, uh, but, but too few people understand that you have to be a follower first. And that's what the military is wonderful at doing is they oh, yeah. break you. Yeah. And then, and then they teach you the proper way. Like, you know, I worked with my dad for a long time uh, and he's a, an administrator from the military. So, you know, everything he did was militant. Like I always joke that he knows when he's going to run out of coffee filters, you know, four days <laughs> ahead of time. And, and, and that's just the way I grew up. I grew up with him and my grandparents. So I got it twice over with my grandpa being an army uh, military guy who served in world war two. So anytime wow. I see military guys, I'm always grateful for your service. So thank you to you, William, and anybody else on here that's had that experience. Wow. Thanks for the conversation, man. That was a uh, way off, um, way, way off what we usually do, but I loved it. Thanks so much. All, hey, right. it's all, all about you, bro. I think you did a great job. Oh, thank you. Can you guys hear me? I just lost. Okay. I think, I think I'm good. Everybody hear me? Someone shout out. Yes. Okay. yes Great. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So we have a few minutes. We got uh, about 10, 15, uh, 10, 12 minutes left. Anyone else want to add anything? Jeremy, were you listening in? Were you here? Jeremy? No, he's not there either. Okay. Wow. It's the third person I called and I didn't answer. That's crazy. <laughs> All right. Anyone else out there would like to add something, ask a question, statement, whatever it is. No, 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 no one. Wow. That's a trip. 
All right. Stephen, well, I do have a question. Yes. Uh, you know that earlier you mentioned that um, you know, uh, although you delegate the task, but the ownership is still staying with the leader. Um, I think you know, really spot on, really love it. Um, maybe I was wondering, maybe you could share a few tips, <laughs> ways for us to motivate that person that we've delegated the task to, and yet you know that person knows that they don't need to take full responsibility and ownership, and in the end, you know, you're you know they're their leader, yourself or ourselves, will still yeah. need to check through everything that they do. How to how to solve that tension? Yeah, well, the, the first thing is the three solutions, right? So you, you and whenever they come to you with an issue that you could solve on your own, but you shouldn't solve it on your own, uh, you should empower them to do so. And, in, and then in turn, you're delegating the task to them instead of doing it yourself. Now, it's still your responsibility to ensure that they do it and that then to ensure that it's actually getting delivered, whatever that is, whether deliverable is. But when you when you do this, you're actually teaching them to take on ownership of the tasks that they have. And in the future, after one or two times of the three solutions, they won't even come back to you. They'll just start doing what they're supposed to do. Now, in the regular meetings once a week or twice a week, whatever meetings you have, that's where the accountability comes in. That's that's where you have the responsibility. Okay, look, we, we delegated this to you last week. You said this is the solution you were going to implement. How did it go? What happened? And there's a, there's a meeting structure that I've always used for probably 20 years now. It's called Meetings with Meaning. And it's, um, you write down a few things, and that is what happened between this meeting and the last meeting, what's going to happen between this meeting and the next meeting, as far as forecast goes, and what's the action plan that you personally will implement. And that forces people to know their numbers, know the targets, know their current situation, their, their, their current date, up-to-date situation, status report, uh, and it forces them to think about the future and plan. And what that does is it, it allows them to effortlessly um, almost take it from you before you even have a chance to delegate it. And so that's, that's how you create this team of cohesion and smooth operations where everyone's happy and, and, and creative and there's less conflict and you know, less drama uh, in, in a business that works like this. And this is all, of course, tied to the company mission and vision. Um, and if you're, if you're, and you'd be surprised I mean, I have, we have clients, man. It's incredible. I can't mention the name, but there's a really, really famous person who has a company. Um, and I'm talking to her. We just, they just picked us up for, as an advisor for um, their branding. And I couldn't believe it. They don't, they don't even know what their mission and vision is. They have an idea. Okay, yeah, we want to do this. But yeah, but what's the mission and your vision? And they don't know. And that means the employees don't know. And that means that everyone's going in the direction that they think they should go without, without having a point of reference. So all of this ties in. If uh, you know, if if I can go into when, when I was leading a company, it was eighty-seven locations, nine countries, um, three thousand five hundred employees. I would go into the ex, you know the different locations, and I could always say, "What's the credo?" You know, I inspire myself, I inspire my team, I inspire um, the clients, and I inspire the world around me. That was our credo. I inspire myself, right? Inspire my team, inspire my clients, and I inspire the world around me. I could go into any one of those lo lo uh, locations and they knew that was our credo. They knew that's what we live for, right? And that's just one thing, you know, your value proposition, your mission, your vision is so important. Even for, even if you're a solopreneur, because you have a reference point to know where you are and where you're going. And you know, when you get there, it's nothing like climbing a mountain and it gets dark and you stop for the night tired. And then when the sun comes out in the morning, you were 10 feet from the summit because you didn't know where the summit was, right? Look, leaders, 
it's a selfless job. It really is. Well, thank you for putting the link up there at <laughs> humblealphabook.com. Thank you. Um, it's a selfless job being a leader. Most people think it's a glorious job and it's a fun job. And a lot of people treat it like that. And a lot of people act like that. They're the ones that are out there saying, I'm the CEO of, I am the leader of, I am the boss of, I am, I, 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 me, me, me. Right? That's, that's fine. And it gets you so far. It does that. We all start like that. So don't, you know, don't, don't get upset or don't take it personal. I started like that. I had my, my chest out, pounding my chest like King Kong. You know, that's what I was taught, you know, to do it that way. But I saw through the years and all through the experience that I've had um, is that that's not the way to empower people and to actually grow a company to the point where, um, you know, the only reason I could move and live in seven countries is because I kept making myself obsolete. And I'll never forget, I was at a, um, I don't know, so I got called by the CEO of a, of a company. And he said, hey, I was in a meeting with a couple other CEOs who know you, and we have a problem. And um, um, they said, if anyone can fix it, it's Stephen Kuhn. This guy didn't even know who I was. But it's because I, was, I had the ability to go into a team, and I was a turnaround guy. I go into a team, an existing team that was failing, not fire anyone, and within a month to three, turn it around where we're profitable or on the way to being profitable just by working with the team, empowering them, mission, vision, value proposition, allowing them to take charge, allowing them to, you know, build on their ingenuity and their belief systems that they have, that they actually have a con contribution to the bottom line, to the business and the vision every single day. You know, most of you know me as the entrepreneur, the guy who wrote the book, you know, that kind of guy. But in my past life, you know, for 15 years, I was a contractor for corporate, uh, I was a basically a contracted either GM, MD, director, whatever, um, uh, instead of being employee because you make much more money when you're self-employed. Self <laughs> um, there's no security, but I didn't need security. And so that's, that's where I come from. I come from that world. And, and from that, in that world, I started in 1997 after my military career, while I had three cocktail bars in a nightclub in Berlin, by the way, at the same time. And I got my MBA at the same time in the UK. Um, <clears throat> all these things I was doing, and was, I was doing them because I knew I could, and I was doing them because I knew it would make my life better. And it was it was something it was it was selfless in a way. Um, a lot of the things that I did, uh, but I did it because I knew it was the right thing to do. And I'm sitting here today with a book that's in Harvard and Stanford coming up in Forbes Business School. Um, you know, there's like uh, you know a documentary apart maybe coming out, all kinds of crazy stuff. And I never did it with that outcome in mind. So we go back to creating space. You know, you create space, show up wholly and fully for that person in front of you with no preconceived notions or cookie cutter solutions, focusing on the only thing that you can control. That's the intention. Forget about the outcome. Forget about the outcome, right? The outcome will solve itself when all perimeters are in place. If you have a racetrack that's round, where are they going to go? They're going to go around. If you don't have an end and a, and a beginning, if you don't have a direction, then it, the cars can go anywhere, for instance. So the outcome doesn't even matter. The outcome will, will present itself whenever all the other variables are in place. That's something that I truly believe. That's what I've done in all these, all these different locations and um, hundreds of businesses around the world. And it's something that is so simple to implement. But you do have to let go. You have to let go of the, the you know, you guys in the military will understand <coughs> that, <coughs> that um, we're taught you know, in the military and you hear about a team all the time, there's no I in team. In the military, you're dead without your team. You're dead without your battle buddy. But as soon as we get out of the military, as soon as we get in and uh, to be entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, whatever, I got to do it by myself. 
Can't ask for help. Got to do it by myself. Got to prove it to myself. Even though we know the only way forward is team, right? These are all ego-based decisions. I say, forget about ego. I don't care what people think. Um, if, if I need to ask for help, and I have done so in this very room, um, many a time I've asked for help directly, and I've gotten it. Why wouldn't I? Like every single day I ask for help in some way, shape, or form, whether it's public or business or private or mental health or whatever it is, I'm always asking for help. If I have to think more than a second for a solution, I'm asking for help, just like that. That's how I collapse time to grow faster, to keep moving. And that's how I'm buying a company in Switzerland for 9.5 million. That's why I got three companies lined up in America right now that, I'm, that we're gonna buy. Total, total revenue about 40 million. We're buying all these companies with no money down. And we're just doing it. I'm not worried about the outcome. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I'm not worried about it. I'm just going for it. Go for it. Not stopping. Go. All right, TM, you were flashing? Yeah, man. I, I think, you know, what you just said is is, is pretty awesome. Uh, you know, you know, I mean, you, what you just said about asking for help, uh, Stephen, I, I think, um, you know, you said, Losing your brother, can't hear you. Power in that, right? We will save a lot of time and a lot of money just asking for help, getting over the fear of asking for help. Amen to that. That's that's. I mean, that's my secret to success. It, you know, success is relative, of course. But when someone says to me, "Hey, what's the one thing that got you where you got most? What's the most impactful thing you've ever done? What's the thing? What's the thing? What's the thing?" And it's always asking for help. It's always asking for help. Find somebody who's been there and done what you want to do and ask them, hey, can you help me out? How'd you get there? What are some points? What are some tips? You know, what, 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 what can I do to get to where you got? And I promise you, a person who's successful in their own right will help you. Even if it's just for one, one, one five-minute conversation, they Steven, will help. Talk about the awkwardness. Talk about, you know, I think a lot of times when we ask for help, and, and I've heard it openly, why I don't ask for help. It makes me feel weak. It makes me feel incompetent. You know, help us understand that that's far from the truth, and that is a self, self-limiting self belief. <clears throat> oh, man, TM. You know, actually, <laughs> what you just said is what they are if they don't ask for help, you know, in my opinion. So you're limiting everything that you do if you do not ask for help. If you think that you can do anything on your own, try to be a parent on your own. Try to be, you know, make a baby on your own. Try to build a business on your own. Good luck. You know, if you're not asking for help, you're, you're limiting everything in your life, everything. Not only what you're tangibly creating, but the belief system that you have inside that you can't will stop you from doing other things. And that goes all the way into the private life with relationships, with friendships, with, with whatever it is, your kids. If you have a limiting belief, it doesn't just stick to the one area in your life. It is across your life. Right? You need to clear it out. Who cares what people think? You know, obviously, if I'm, I'm not going to walk into a room half naked and try to be somebody, like, that's not what I do. Like, I would care what they thought if I did that because that, that'd be a little crazy. But if I come from a place of integrity, right? I need help. I'm coming from a place of integrity. I'm accomplishing what I do, but I can't, I don't know everything and nor should I. So as long as I'm coming from a place of honesty and integrity, and we talk about that honesty, integrity, and transparency, right? As long as I come from that place, I will always be respected for asking help because the energy behind it is what? Creating space, no, no, no expectation of an outcome. If I ask for help, Hey man, TM, can you help me out, man? I really need this. Can you help me out? You're like, well, let me see what I can do. No, man, come on. You know, like I really need this. 
if I'm putting all the pressure on TM to help me, that's not what I'm talking about, asking for help. I'm saying, look, I'm in this situation, not sure what to do right now. Do you know of anybody that can help me out or can you help me out? Have you been there and done that? And they'll tell you yes or no, right? They'll tell you yes or no. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much um, for the uh, ability or the opportunity to speak again. It's been two weeks, like I said, very happy to be here. It's always a pleasure. Um, looking forward to um, uh, hearing from you all on Instagram about your disruption of your um, of your business and what you can do about it. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. All right. Okay, everybody, I'm going to hand it over. But before I do, remember that one thing that we always say, it's all about quality, quality of life. There we go. I love it. All right. Turning it over. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.